Ghosts are horny. Spooky. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had okay. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. Hi and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Grimm. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your host for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. Congrats, Jordan. You made it. <laughs> you made it finally to the werewolf episode. I the first ever one. We got there. I know people are going to be impressed that I guess there was going to be werewolves this episode. But if you go back and listen, I guess there's going to be werewolves <laughs> every episode. So yeah. Save your applause. I don't deserve it. No, give the applause because Jordan knew it real fucking early on in this episode. Yeah, oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like she's at a water cooler and Jordan looks up and goes, is it a werewolf? Well, I'll share those opinions later and let you know exactly <laughs> when I knew and why. Oh, my gosh. It was very fucking quickly. I was impressed. I was. Yeah, I was impressed as well. So werewolves. werewolves. So werewolves. Yeah. What is your favorite werewolf story and or media and or whatever? Jordan. I, of course, love my super homoerotic werewolves, but I'll <laughs> actually save that one and go with instead... I like in mixed mythological creature settings mm-hmm. when the werewolf itself, kind of like in this episode, only comes out at certain times. But when the werewolf does come out, it's like a big fuck you werewolf. So like, obviously, in like being human, vampires mm-hmm. are kind of the biggest threat. I just love watching them like rip the heads off of vampires. Hell like yeah. Mm-hmm. big strong scary like eight foot tall werewolf have a thing for it i love it what about you Allie? i have to go with remus lupin from harry potter yeah fuck jk rowling first of all but i love him i love how he's a teacher who truly cares about the kids like i think he was one of the very few good adult characters in there yeah but he was definitely one of the few adult men harry had like a reasonable relationship right like Sirius and dumbledore are problematic in many ways and i just love him and he was wonderful and also like i don't know but to me harry and him read as bisexual kings and i love them both and he ends up with like a hot goth girlfriend and then they both die and it's tragic so you want your werewolves to be like a foster dad that's your favorite werewolf trope but that's not that's not totally what's going on with remus Mm. though the allegory there that we see immediately is Mm -hmm. this idea of either illness a Mm -hmm. or b alcoholism and addiction yeah and like pushed out from society and then he kind of has to find himself and the people he fits in with right exactly just oh my heart goes out to him yes and of course tonks what Uh, about you jasper so unfortunately the type of werewolves i like the best are the same exact kind of type well not exact type but the same idea as the werewolves that are in twilight 
I'm mm. so sorry. Hunky. No, not the hunkiness. Jesus. Although I do like that with werewolves because there's this idea of um, physical power as opposed mm. to vampires, which use glamours and mm-hmm. other things. They do tend to be physically large and powerful looking people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I like is there's a combination of like this there's like a bloodline right like a genetic one but then there's also the separate bloodline from the bite and then on top of that i really enjoy the transformation into just a giant ass wolf i Mm. like the closer it is to a full change of shape the more i tend to prefer it you want animorphs I was thinking no. more like True Blood. I know, I'm joking. Yeah, it, similar to True Blood, yeah. Mm-hmm. And True Blood is very mm-hmm. interesting, too, because they like to play with socioeconomic mm-hmm. class yeah. as mm-hmm. well, which I'm not necessarily as invested in. I'm more invested in the mythological mm-hmm. aspects and the the change and mm-hmm. things like that, how that impacts like the insular culture. Yeah. Sort of unrelated, in fact, completely unrelated, Thank you to This Podcast is Haunted Mm -hmm. for shouting out Allie's ghost story. They are the loveliest podcast. Jordan showed me their podcast ages ago, and it is one of my all-time favorites. And episode 99, where they talk about the Italian whole disaster at the very end, is my personal ghost story from Rome that I wrote into them. So thank you, lovely ladies. You're amazing. Yeah, I love them very much. If you're into haunted history or ghost stories in general, go Mm -hmm. check them out. Today's episode is season two, episode 17, Heart, the one where the boys put down old Yeller. I love that. My heart died a little. (laughs) Oh, God. I can't even make a sound. That's directly from my fucking mom, by the way. She brought it up with me like every time I was on the phone with her for like a week. Should I be concerned about your mother? Well, thank you, Mama Jasper. For, <laughs> Mama Jasper, thank you. For uh, destroying you know, our hearts. But... She just has dark humor. <laughs> I love um, it. No, I love it. She's I'm just, just in shock. a little bit evil. This episode was written by Sarah Gamble and directed by Kim Manners and originally aired on March 22nd, 2007. I'm sure this was an exciting one for you. It was. In retrospect, I have a lot of feelings about this cold open. So one thing I did like is, was his name Nate? Yes. The sex pervert dude. I do like that the way the character is acted. He is shown as like disgusting and we are not supposed to like him or think what he is doing is like at all charming or okay. Mm -hmm. Even though Madison's attitude dismissing it and being like, ha ha ha, he's just kind of like that kind of shows otherwise. But now in retrospect, why I think this is pretty successful as a cold open here. She didn't actually think that because... Mm -hmm. They had mentioned her seeing people as threats when she was a werewolf. And I kind of like that when it goes back to looking at this cold open, it kind of shows how women have to deal with men, especially like in this time period and how they kind of have to deal with threats. And though it may look like they're just trying to laugh something off, Madison was obviously very threatened by him because the episode shows who werewolves see as threats they go after. So I just thought it was interesting to look back on. Yeah. And I think you can see not only is she putting up this front, like she's so unbothered. She's also gone to a lot of lengths to make sure that he's not going to be a problem. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like she has 
in-depth strategies to deal with this, such as she's already called him a cab mm-hmm. home. Yes. Which, nuts. Yeah, that is a big red flag and it, horrifying. Yeah, I think this, for once in Supernatural, does a really good job of showing, like, the female perspective. I agree. Um, And I think it was especially excellent because we're in those situations all the time where women have to, like... They almost talk themselves down and put up these boundaries to protect themselves, but then kind of brush off the behavior because there's no other choice. Like, it's kind of like we're in that situation and have to protect ourselves. And sometimes protecting ourselves is making it seem less, but keeping those protective barriers. And I love how even if she's convinced herself that this is like a normal thing, her natural instinct is to protect herself. And then when she turns and has that power, she does something about it subconsciously i just thought it was excellent and yeah i love how he's like this skeevy guy who we've seen the million times before but the show doesn't make you back away from it and think he's like okay like you're okay with him dead right yeah because you see what type of person he is and the danger he poses and those type of people pose to women right and then we get the creepy bucky yeah oh my god i never would have thought of that but jordan just like blurts out oh, oh my god Abby, it's yeah. oh was it that Abby? was me oh, it was in my head bucky. at the same time though my bad bucky with his tall soda no ice only a sociopath would drink that it looked like a cup of blood straight up <laughs> it was yeah. like just the syrup from the soda ew <laughs> here is another kind of thing here where she's dealing with a shitty man And I also like with this in particular, like Bucky, uh, I should not call him Bucky. What was Uh, the character's name? Oh, I wrote it down somewhere. Kurt. Kurt. It was actually kind of ironic that Kurt was kind of the red herring of this episode Mm -hmm, because the supernatural creature stalking the human is like such a trope. And it's kind of ironic to instead have the human stalking the supernatural creature. Mm -hmm, Right. And the human still kind of being the dangerous one as well. Right. Well, and like you were saying about her attitude with her boss hitting on her and just being like, oh, whatever, it's fine. That's her attitude with her ex-boyfriend stalking her as well. Like, oh, (laughs) he turned up, but whatever. Like, he was outside my window, but whatever. And it's kind of funny, too, that that is her reaction throughout the episode, because in this very first instance, she visibly gasps Mm -hmm. when she sees him. Right. Which means that she knows, again, like taking all of those extra steps Mm -hmm. with Nate, she has that level of fear that she's hiding with him as Mm -hmm. well. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's like such a natural state women have to be in. Yeah, it's society has Mm -hmm. taught women that they're supposed to swallow all of this down. Yeah, and like we are in fear for valid reason, but at the same time, like, what can we do? Right, right, right. Also, okay, one small gripe, though. She doesn't lock her car door immediately. This is a woman who is validly afraid. She knows to lock her car doors. Things were automatic. No, they weren't. You'd hear them. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> was not paying attention to Before that at we all. Move so. on, though. We were you were talking about it a little in the cold open. Uh huh. This is when I knew that it was a werewolf episode. It wasn't the next scene because we have that gigantic ass coyote in the middle of a city eating out of a dumpster with like the moon and in the background, and I'm like, yeah. oh, it's the werewolf episode. True. Yeah. <laughs> 
I really love, too, her sitting with her friends. Jordan, I think you even made a crack about her sitting with her little pack. Yeah, her pack. I did. She's like the alpha. Well, and it's funny, too, because women kind of have to be in packs, Mm -hmm. too. Right. And she's there specifically discussing the dangers of Nate together. Right, right. And I just want to talk for a second. I don't have a lot to say about fashion in this episode. Mm -hmm. I haven't for a few episodes. I think it's so funny in this cold open that all four of these women are wearing, like, satin (laughs) cream blouses. Mm -hmm. And um, But then they have, like, these weirdly, like, color-coded but also matching drinks. It's like they're in, like, a pop group from like the late 90s like they all have some kind of martini thing but like madison has Mm -hmm. one with like a huge bunch of grapes in it and her friend across from her has some bright blue monstrosity with a pineapple (laughs) wedge and like when they cut to these women the first time one of them is like dunking her fucking olives in this (laughs) martini and i'm like girl are you okay but like yeah they're all they're all matching and they're all deferring to madison's know-how you know what it kind of reminds me of is Hmm. when we were all well, when we were in high school, Allie would have been in middle school. There was this really big obsession with making um, business clothes casual yeah. and like cheaply oh made. God. That like at H&M and Charlotte mm-hmm. Russe and stores like that. I was like, that's the clothes they're wearing. And that's what was so in at the time. Right. Well, they were so awful, though. They were awful. Like the shirts in this scene in particular, they were like flouncy, but in the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> I actually noticed a lot of fashion, but I'll just talk about her right now, too. I love the business suit because it is like woman in a city. Would you right. wear? Yeah, she did look very snappy in the pinstripes. Yeah. I agree. I and then they put her in the Henleys for almost the rest of the episode. Those like long sleeve, like almost quilted shirts. Nah, it was just the last day she was wearing No, that a was a Henley. t-shirt, but she's in a long sleeve one earlier, too, had, when they're at the apartment it was a it had like a tie in the neck and a bell sleeve that was a different outfit there's another part before that she was wearing a v-neck t-shirt there's a part where she's in a long sleeve henley as well and her outfit specifically matched joe's those are the only two women we've seen in similar outfits and i think that's interesting that they align you with the other woman who you're like oh what a sweetie The only time I noticed any kind of outfit like that was when they went up to wait out the moonrise with her and she was wearing the canvas. Generally, throughout the episode, she was just wearing like solid colors, Mm -hmm. things that were pretty plain. And I think part of that is just because like they don't really need to accentuate anything going on with her wardrobe because she's fucking beautiful first off gorgeous and i think secondly her presence as a potential threat is purposely diminished Mm -hmm. and the fact that she's not really wearing anything too like exciting or like tough looking in the other direction it i think is part of that what else is this actress in so this actress, her name is Emmanuel Vaugier. I am mm. probably pronouncing that wrong. Mm. She was in One Tree Hill, CSI New York, Saw 2, and also mm. Two and a Half Men. Okay. Yeah. She does look a lot like the actress who plays Mythian in BBC's Merlin as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, she has a very familiar face. Are we ready to talk about the autopsy? 
I do want to just mention this scene where they find his body real quick. Oh, uh, is that? That's after the autopsy. They find his body? Oh, no, you're correct. Nate's first. <laughs> I was like, they can't have an autopsy without a body. I had to think. <laughs> Oof. I'm I would sorry, like to talk Jonathan. about that first as well. You're, you're correct. <laughs> I'm just real excited about these dead bodies. <laughs> I love that he's sprawled across the, like, glass desk, like, totally ripped up. Right. It is such a classic, like, werewolf death scene. Well, they also hit a werewolf trope as well. When the coffee drips, like, the way everything goes silent and the dripping's Mm. really loud, that was another indicator to me that it's a werewolf Mm. episode. Right. And his shirt's, like, torn apart. Good. Get him. I do like that he his body is left very um, prone and vulnerable looking like he's all splayed out. It looks like almost sacrificial. Yeah, exactly. And then we get our dearest Stargate actress. Yes. Oh, we love her. I Her name is uh, Terrell Rothery. She's the medical examiner in this episode, but she plays Dr. Frazier in Stargate SG-1. And, like, let me just tell you, that's my wife. Also, Dr. Frazier is gay, and you cannot convince me otherwise. Jordan, what did you want to say about the autopsy? Did Sam specifically say he was a cop in this scene? Like, was that what he was trying to be? Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. I did not hear him. And I was just kind of like, wow, they're really good at getting access to places. I think they almost like skipped that part and were just like, here's the body. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was interesting, though, that since we are placed into the scene without like that sort of we're meeting the medical Mm -hmm. examiner and showing our badges, et cetera, et cetera. I thought it was interesting, the costume choice to have him in his regular casual clothing, because it does sort of make you blink and go, wait, what? Yeah, Yeah, it does look like, who's this man that just showed up? Yeah, out of a suit, they both look like they're way too young to be in the FBI. So uh, I'm, like, amazed that Madison believed either of them. (laughs) The medical examiner believed them or any of it. And I did want to ask you both. Sure. Because I didn't fully get this. What was the symbolism of the werewolves eating the heart? Or is that, like, an old trope? That's why I was going to ask you guys. Because I know, like, a lot of times it's about devouring. But the yeah. only time I know of hearts being brought up, that's a way to kill a werewolf. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that. Maybe it's just supernatural world. Yeah. Well, I think it has more to do with, like, what is inside of your heart. Like symbolically or like subconsciously, because there was all of this talk towards the end about like animal instinct and everything. And that's what's left over when their Mm -hmm. conscious human mind is gone. Why the eating of the heart? Dunno. Yeah. There's definitely something to be said about the fact that this is like a romantic episode in some ways. So the destruction of the heart Mm -hmm. is a theme. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you two. It might not be a question, maybe just a statement. If you were to eat a heart, because it's so veiny, chewing like those arteries to me is the same as every time I see fried calamari. I bet it would have a similar texture. Calamari is really tender. Oh, I thought it was chewy. No, you've had it overcooked. I don't eat meat. Oh, yeah. But it looks really chewy, and I can just see, like, chewy fried rings remind me no, of No, yeah. It's only chewy if it's overcooked. Mm. But the thing with t- 
tougher meats is that usually they're massaged and tenderized in some oh. kind of a way. Also, a raw organ would probably not be nearly as chewy or rubbery as a cooked one. That's very true. So this is when we go to the hotel. Dean is so cute. He's so excited. <laughs> He's very Such a nerd. excited. I love, except for the... I was like, have they called sex workers anything besides a hooker in this show? No. No. Obviously, it's really fucking shitty to say that. Yeah. But this is way before anyone had any opinions about treating sex workers well Mm -hmm. in mainstream media. So I'm not surprised. And you're going to, I'm sorry, you're going to keep hearing hooker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anytime they're talking about sex workers. So my thing is, is. I do get this was 2007. I'm just like, why that one word? Right. Only because, like, there's so many songs they could go with. It's just the one. It's the most strange. historical one. Right. Oh, Tied true. to American history. And I guess they got to make the boys, like, edgy. True. And it's related to military history. So maybe more so from their father. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Also, I'm always a little sad when we get a bland hotel because I know the show can give it to us. (laughs) Well, they did give us some really nice sets in this episode. I will say like um, Madison's apartment was really, really pretty. It was very feminine and Mm -hmm. airy. Yeah. And it was very bright. I had to laugh at Kurt's apartment, though. I was like, you can tell it's a man's apartment because everything is gray and the art is really edgy. It's because you walk in and there's uh, one recliner. Oh, it's not even a recliner. It's like a lawn chair. (laughs) There's a box as a table. And there's just a TV and an Xbox on the ground. It's so true. You guys have never been to these guys' apartments like that? No. (laughs) When I was single, yes. (laughs) I don't like to spend time with men. So Mood. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Let's talk about them talking to Madison in her apartment Mm. for a minute. So yeah, they're talking to Madison who is just very willing to open up to these two random people who, yeah. Well, they're very handsome. Very handsome people, which is always just makes me laugh too, because like, listen, if two people come and knock on my door and say they're FBI agents, which I guess she has less reason to be suspicious because she just was witness to a murder. So of course they're going to come, but there's, probably gonna be other fbi agents that come to her house too so you think that would maybe get some wires crossed but i'm gonna hand wave that there actually probably won't be fbi agents because the fbi is only called in at special occasions right Yeah. so she wouldn't know that and they probably won't be called in after the case because the like story is they think this was an animal attack Mm. Yeah. yeah yeah that makes sense so it's actually a somewhat good yeah cover yeah but She's just willing to, like, word vomit at these boys. Right. Like, this is my life story. I do love, though, again, like, they're not even bothering to be in suits. Yeah. I see it. If they told me they were FBI, I'd be like, sure you are. I'd be like, I'm getting murdered. Yeah, that would be my first thought, especially with her her history with, like, the stalker boyfriend yeah. and the creepy boss and everything. I'd be yeah. way suspicious of these mm-hmm. little randos. But, you know, whatever. Um, we get that awkward dialogue, too, about her talking about Kurt. Mm. And she's like, yeah, he's like, oh, I don't remember the exact wording, but 
I do know Sam is like, yeah, I do know the type, no, actually. Okay, so yeah. she was talking about Nate, her boss. Oh, it was Nate, yes, Nate. Yeah, and she was like, he's the type that'll hit on anyone after he's had a glass of scotch in him. And Sam looks over at Dean and is like, yeah, I know the type. But my favorite thing about that is that it's gender neutral. Mm. Yeah. Tell me more about this gender neutral flirting that's happening in all directions when alcohol gets involved. <laughs> Gay. Gay. If we're ready to talk about them breaking into Kurt's apartment, mm-hmm. that's what happened. Next. Next. Yeah, because she's, she tells them about her stalker and they're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, it's probably the stalker. <laughs> yes. I love that Kurt has the, like, shaggy long hair, too, making him even more of a red herring for the werewolf. Right, 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 because there's definitely that association with, like, a large, hairy man. Yeah. Yeah, I did like the claw marks everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm stuck on the claw marks on the outside of the building. Are they going up or down? Down. I know that in my heart, but look, it's just, how did he get underneath? Why didn't he just jump? Werewolves can jump. Like, how did he get underneath, like, the banister I'm, thing? I'm very confused. What so she, what we're supposed to assume mm-hmm. is that Madison has been there before, mm-hmm. and she escapes by jumping out the window and dragging herself down the wall. I am so stupid. I This whole time, even knowing Kurt's not a werewolf, I was like, how did he do that? He just has really long nails. So it kind of makes you wonder, was he stalking her mm-hmm. because she had possibly been to his house as a werewolf before? True. Like, what is his intention? Because he hasn't died yet at this point, has he? No. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is this when it the camera cuts away to the police officer being and murdered? Werewolf vision. Yeah. I love the werewolf vision, though. It's so fun. And it has, it has sort of like that red tinge around yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I think we're supposed to interpret that as like bloodlust. Mm-hmm. And it's like almost like pulsating. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that they're trying to kind of show like this as being like a random victim. Mm-hmm. But in my head... And what I'm going to assume by having interactions with the police before is that it was actually the person on her case when she got mugged and he was dismissive of her. And that's why I love that. She saw him as a threat. That makes so much sense. I love that. Because people who enable a system are also threats. And police protect property. They don't protect Mm -hmm. people. So why would he protect her? ACAB. Mm hmm. After we get the werewolf cam, then we are now back placed into Madison's apartment. And that's when we're introduced to Glenn. Yeah, the neighbor with the Christian t-shirt. He looks sus too. Well, so this was kind of an interesting moment because now, of course, we know that Glenn is a werewolf Mm -hmm. after finishing the episode. And we have not established yet, but we've talked about in this podcast already that werewolves see, like, people as threats. Mm. So Madison is, like, vindicating herself through her, like, werewolf instincts. I'm like, Glenn is targeting sex workers. (laughs) This man is perving. I actually thought, because, like, he's there, quote unquote, helping her. And it kind of shows, like, that he also has secret intentions past just helping. Mm. So Right. Mm. The neighbor is like the classic violent werewolf narrative. Yes. Mm-hmm. Generally, it's men who are werewolves in those kind of stories, and mm-hmm. their violent and sexual impulses have gotten out of control, turning them into a monster. 
So I thought it was really interesting the way they played with that here. He becomes not the focal point, but the background. And it elevates this feminine perspective mm -hmm. of empowerment yeah. instead. Even despite the fact that, like, it was his attack that did this to her. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, like, super cool. I'm also very interested in the fact that, like I mentioned earlier, it seems like what what is inside of their like subconscious or like their heart yeah. or whatever is what comes out. And what comes out for him is his repressed sexuality and mm -hmm. his desire for a partner, a life partner. Yeah. So he's like trying to make himself a werewolf bride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is such a good metaphor and like the idea that if men had complete freedom could give into like their true instincts and emotions it would be because of our society we live in to harm women when if women had the same strength and ability to just do what they want to do it's just to protect themselves from this system. Right. So just leading up to this rock, paper, scissors scene, I think this is the first of like some of the scenes that I've been missing from Supernatural, which is just like the scenes between the brothers mm. being brothers. Right. Because like the show is a CW show and like we need those little bits of mm -hmm. humor too, because if it's too serious, it can kind of bog itself down as we've seen in previous episodes. Absolutely. So I really right. do think it adds to this episode. I also enjoy here that like, Allie has brought up multiple times before Sam doesn't have like a very expressive or verbal sexuality. This is the first time he seems to be verbalizing any kind of interest that I've noticed. Like, it's not that he doesn't notice girls or whatever, but normally he's just like trying to get Dean to leave him alone yeah. about women. Mm -hmm. And like the fight over who gets to hang out with the hot girl feels like the closest they've gotten to showing us that he has interest in sex at all. I actually completely agree. <laughs> this was the first time I also felt. See, I read it as him not wanting to go around werewolves because he was like super in denial about them at the start. And like, no, that's just stories. Like they don't exist. And I think little Sam's a little afraid of a werewolf, which fair. So now do we want to talk about the implications of Dean in this scene? <laughs> Dean in this scene cracks me the fuck up. Yeah. Throwing scissors every time. Every time. He has to be doing it on purpose yeah. because we he always throws scissors. He did it in season one as well. True. So then the question is, why? <laughs> why, yes. Dean? Why? why are you purposely losing here? It's so cute. I Okay, yeah. Again, this is another scene. Like, the last are another mm -hmm. point of perspective that can be read so many ways. And I was personally cracking up during this because it was like... They were specifically talking about fighting to stay with the pretty girl. Mm -hmm. And Dean's like, I want to be here with pretty girl. Purposefully <laughs> loses game. Mm. Some seems a little fruity to me. But it could also be read as he reads the chemistry between yeah. Sam and Madison. And he's purposefully relenting so he can spend time with her. I, my mind's just on werewolves this episode. I'm missing all romance because I'm just like, he wants a hunt of werewolves. I mean, I think there's that too. <laughs> it's so bizarre to me that you're not paying attention to the romance in this episode at all since it's like the major plot. There yeah. is a point I did and I will talk about that. The episode is called Heart. To me, it's called Werewolf. Oh my God. <laughs> 
I just love my monster hunting stories. I don't like. I am breaking such a curmudgeon. news. Allie is actually the asexual one. <laughs> it's also so sad. Whenever we talk about Dean being excited to hunt werewolves, it just brings me to the end of this episode, which we'll get in later. But I'm like, oh, poor Dean. Right. You didn't know how this was all going to end. So after the game of rock, paper, scissors that Sam wins by a landslide, they have this scene with Sam and Maddie. They immediately kick on some like soft core porn music <laughs> in the background this is a heavily tracked episode like there's just a lot of background mm-hmm. tracks going on right this just felt really hammy and i kind of liked it yeah i don't i liked it i like their scenes together i've mentioned before that i don't always think there's enough chemistry between jared and whatever actress they have him with in that episode but i think their chemistry is really good here is this the thong part yes Okay. Yeah, there's there's also the thong part. I like that she's being sexually aggressive mm-hmm. and she's like, you're hot, hang out with me. Yeah, this almost felt choreographed like a musical. Like yeah. they'd start singing how she's laying out all these hints and he's just like very shy. My crackpot theory about him being asexual though, I would say the thong part supports just because of the uncomfortable look on Jared's face. I feel like that would make a lot of people uncomfortable, no matter what their sexuality is. Yeah, like, I'm not asexual, but I would hate that. I agree, but also, if you read it one way, that's a piece of evidence. I'm sorry, it's just the way you said, well, if you read it this way, it's evidence for this. And I'm like, yes, that's generally how that works. (laughs) Also, I love them watching the soap opera together. (gasps) It's so fun. It's cute. Yeah. That's another moment that I'm like, the show needs more of that. Yeah. Yeah. I like it because it kind of expands Sam's character a mm-hmm. little bit. Like, he is always teasing Dean about stuff that Dean likes, but apparently he also likes it too. I love how, like, she sat down to, like, get cozy with him, and then they just end up enthralled in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so cute. Yeah. So, there's a lot I like about this scene. First, I do want to say my head canon that Dean is always watching his shows and Sam is always on his laptop turned where he can still see them out of the corner <laughs> of his eye. I love that. Fully support it. Um, but I also like that this whole scene kind of feels a little bit like a soap opera. Mm-hmm. And then they're literally tying it into watching and bonding over this show. I thought it was cute. Mm-hmm. I love how she's like, sit down, shut up. This is my house. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. watching TV. She's just a very different character from mm-hmm. a lot of the female characters that we get. Like, even even Cassie in season one, who is supposed to be this, you know, strong female character, is, like, waiting on them mm-hmm. all the time. Although, True. as we discussed in that episode, part of that probably has to do with the fact that she's a black woman, not yeah. a white woman. Yeah. But still... And the one thing I was kind of unsure about is Mm -hmm. that we get this really, like, early 2000s rom-com, you're unusual discussion. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was a little hammy, but... I support it. People in love are so cheesy. True. And it's also kind of giving us a little bit of morsels that she might be the werewolf as well. Yeah. Um, Because the whole pointing out that she's different. Guess what's different, werewolves? True. I do think though that in this particular case that was not an awkward deployment of that because she is she is weird yeah true she's super weird she's not bothered by anything or she acts like she's not yeah true i love the way she talks about getting mugged 
I really enjoy this scene, this little monologue she has about, like, how weird it is that she's empowered by being attacked. And, like, Mm -hmm. I have to think, like, is it that deep down she knew that something was different, that she was just Mm -hmm. more physically capable, and that's what was fueling her conscious empowerment or if it was really just like a coming to Jesus moment like anything could happen anytime so I'm turning my life around or you know obviously it could always be both or neither or whatever but to me it was just heartbreaking because it's very much that like idea of assault of any type and like how it changes your life and it's not something you chose by any means whether what you make of it ends up a positive or negative it's just more of like this is reality that women deal with right right that was hard yeah 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 no totally especially the bite on the back of your neck like that's such a personal and vulnerable place that someone has to be like so up close to you yeah like pressed right up against her back yeah and it's such like a controlling place too like if someone were to grab it like oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah i do also kind of wonder where her werewolfness Mm -hmm. does start and end if it's only with her transformation or Mm -hmm. if it is with every aspect of her personality right yeah because we don't see her know her anything about her before this so the final scene of this whole sam madison thing i think she was being very overt but i would just be so uncomfortable if you have like an fbi agent or detective Mm -hmm. like sitting watching tv all night and you just decide to leave your bedroom door open yeah Ugh, gives me chills i know the reason but it still feels unnerving i think it's just that none of us trust cops and true. she was like trying to fuck yeah yeah true so <laughs> i can't tell even rewatching it if he's like aware that that's what's going on and is just mm-hmm. ignoring it or if he's like nope gotta look out for the werewolf i don't know it's just weird that's the only time I was ever kind of wishy-washy about whether or not I liked their interaction. And he didn't even notice when she left. Like, obviously, she was not in her normal form. Right. But he still, like, slept through it, I'm assuming. I think he was up all night. Really? But she went out through the window. Yeah. yeah. And I know she was quiet. I was just like, this all feels weird to me. Dean getting attacked by Madison was very fun. Was it was that a f- really fun. Did you figure out before then that it was her? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, literally the beginning of the episode. Right. I liked how fast this scene was. Right. Unless you were, like, really paying attention, it was just like, boom. Right. There were a lot of camera cuts, and mm-hmm. everything was very close. Yeah, especially for their choice of only having the werewolves really go through kind of like a teeth transformation. Yeah. She also had claws. And claws. Um, and so, weird eyes. And weird, yeah, like the, the super blue eyes. I like that they're not like overshowing the monster. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. yeah. And especially like with her hair whipping mm-hmm. around in front yeah. of her face too. And glad Kurt's gone. He seemed gross. Yeah, yeah, fuck Kurt. <laughs> Sorry, Bucky. You're out of this one. <laughs> Almost more than the ending of this episode, I find these middle scenes really disturbing after Mm. Sam has to, like, keep her locked in the apartment and tie her down to the chair. Like, this is clearly someone who's been through a lot. Like, we know that she's constantly sexually harassed. Mm -hmm. She got mugged, quote unquote, but it 
sounds like it was very sexual in nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, her ex-boyfriend was abusive and then is, was also stalking her. Mm-hmm. So this is someone who is used to trusting men and then they turn around and are extremely violent with her. And she just seems so completely Mm re-traumatized to me it's really difficult to watch she's a great crier though that actress wow this whole time i just kept thinking like not only have we learned about her trauma and that literally she is using her quote-unquote monsterdom to kind of process this trauma Mm -hmm. and take vengeance also being woken up being found naked not Mm -hmm. knowing what's going on yeah and then also for sam to immediately go on the attack also i was like oh not the best way to handle this it makes sense though yeah what he thinks is that she's been giving them the runaround like he has no reason to assume that she's innocent here and i will say she was very overtly showing sexual interest in him and a lot of times when people have done that to sam in this series it has been to Mm. gain power over him like meg I actually thought Sam, like, did this really well. He, at first, doesn't, but then he gives her this speech, and it's really from the heart, and I think he just did a good job, and it also helps he's in this, like, gray sweater, and it's this very, like, comforting look, Um, but I was immediately, like, I totally be swayed and believed it, because, the like, he does the great job of doing this thing that can be so dangerous, if he were a malicious person but he's like look this is what we're doing and if all goes well like you'll have your life all walk away and it it's scary because sometimes people do that to manipulate people but i think he just like did a really good job of trying to convince her and kind of spell it out for her and let her know to calm her anxieties about this i just thought jerry did a great job in that scene yeah he was great throughout the episode Mm -hmm. i agree So this is when we get back to paralleling Sam's situation to Mm -hmm. the monster, which has been a common theme. It's kind of been like the John of this season. (laughs) Yeah. Eventually, Dean does make his way back to the apartment after Madison has been tied up. Mm -hmm. And that's when they start to have the conversation of what they're going to do with Madison. We kind of have Dean arguing like she's a monster, like she's going to harm people. And then we get the line from Sam, maybe I understand her. Mm-hmm. This show doesn't like letting you connect the dots with monstrosity. It always comes up between the boys. It's like, here's this monster that represents Sam. And then Sam's like, I am this monster. I thought, yeah, I thought this scene was a little heavy handed with that. Mm-hmm. The one later in the episode where he's like, so you won't kill me, but you will kill her. That was is better. a lot more nuanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I almost wish that this particular scene hadn't, or at least this bit of dialogue mm-hmm. hadn't been there. But, you know, I think it is what it is. It's not like bad. It's mm-hmm. just not good. It's it's just not subtle. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I don't think the show has to necessarily be subtle all the time. I wish it was a little more. But <laughs> we've also discussed how my poet brain makes me very averse to being told anything up mm-hmm. front and I want to just figure it out on my own. Well, for me, it also kind of cheapens what Sam is doing here mm-hmm. cuz the idea of him wanting to save her only because he's trying to find some kind of redemption for himself to me can read as like a little selfish too absolutely if that comes to light later 
it's a little less so. But here I'm like, you're like torturing this poor girl. Yeah. Not necessarily on purpose, but like. Right. Maybe talk about her. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm like, not everything's about you, Sam. And then we get to see her bite mark Mm -hmm. after. That's when we find out. Well, I guess we know for sure she's a werewolf. But here we're kind of making the connection of how she became one. Mm -hmm. Right. And then that's when we have the conversation about shooting her. Sam is like, if I have to, if everything we try fails, I will shoot her. And I will say Jensen's acting is very good here. A lot in the eyes. Yeah, they're both very good this episode. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then we jump to the sex worker walking at night. I just feel bad for her. I want to give her a jacket. Like, yeah. And Dean kills the um, the neighbor here. Yeah, I do like mm-hmm. the costuming of the sex worker. <laughs> I like that that kind of outfit is actually again popular right now. Yes, and it's yeah. being like reclaimed by like modern bimbos. It's amazing. Yeah, very fun. Yeah, I think when I see it now, I'm like, that's cute. Like. Maybe not rip fishnets, but I'm like, the rest is adorable. It's definitely a fit. I did try not to crack up because there's this wolf howl in the background, but it just sounds like a whale. It goes like, (laughs) 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 I was like, what fucking wolf is this? Sounds like me when I sit on the toilet after eating too much Taco Bell. Oh my God, Jordan. Thanks for that. (laughs) I want to delete this from my life. Can I talk about the neighbor as the werewolf for a minute? I had mentioned before how his whole thing is pretty classic to werewolf narratives being like the sexual violent man out of control. And then I just really love how they highlight his Christianity Mm -hmm. with the costuming and the idea that it says something about him, like his Christianity isn't making him a good person or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just he is really repressed. Sarah Gamble has to slip it in in every episode. Right. Wait, Sarah. Repression doesn't work. She has some religious trauma, that one. Miss True. Sarah, same. But I think it's... Again, also interesting that he just turned Madison like he was looking for a companion. And I think it's not dissimilar from the situation with Sam. Mm -hmm. Like uh, what interests me about Glenn is that like he's the rival, I guess. Yeah. Not in like a serious way, but like so Sam isn't literally a werewolf, but he is committing monstrous acts against Mm -hmm. Madison and mm-hmm. violence against her and then he is trying to force her to undergo a transformation as well yeah. obviously it would be a positive one if she were cured of her lycanthropy but you know it's still i have to look at it and be like oh well hmm and lastly i'm just so interested in the fact that even Glenn wasn't aware of the fact mm-hmm. that yeah. he was a werewolf. And they don't really talk about that at all. Just about the fact that Madison didn't know. But it's interesting. Like, it, is the implication there that, like, he's also just a victim of his impulses and someone else's? Or are they saying that, like, literally werewolves aren't aware that they're werewolves usually? Mm-hmm. Or, like, what's going on with that? Well, I actually have the same question, too, and it's specifically in relation to Glenn's death. Like, he didn't just die. We had to see him dying as a human. Mm -hmm. Right. Which 
to me means that the writers have to be drawing some kind of connection to him being a victim because we mm-hmm. get to physically see Dean's face not knowing what to do. Right. I actually have a way I read that. I think this whole episode is about like the patriarchy and how our system like turns out men in a certain way. Yeah. Um, it's not men that are the issue, but men that are in the system become monsters. And we have three men in it that are like the main men, other than our boys. And each of them is a monster in their own right, whether right. they're the monster or the victim of the quote unquote monstrosity of the werewolf. So I think it's really interesting that it's like no matter where you fall on that, like whether you benefit from a system or are hurt by it, you are still a pro problem in that system and actively hurting others in a monster to women right and i just thought that was so fascinating and really well done yeah it's really nuanced and i it's actually i totally agree with that take and i agree with that idea generally outside of the context of a werewolf episode of supernatural Mm -hmm. like patriarchy and you know systemic issues of gender don't just fuck over women Mm -hmm. they also can have a severely negative impact on men and this episode illustrates that subtly it doesn't feel the need to bang us over the head Mm -hmm. with it and have anyone point it out or anything it's just there while we're talking about monstrosity can i talk about the lore i would love for you to talk about the lore ali i am so fucking pumped about this I feel like we haven't had good lore in a while, and I love werewolves. You two probably love werewolves more than me, though. So werewolves have been around in, like, almost every culture Mm -hmm. and throughout time. So one of the first written accounts is the Epic of Gilgamesh. They're even in there because he says he won't sleep with a woman because she slept with a man and he turned into a wolf. Nice. Which is fascinating that it goes back to that. There's also like Greek. So Lyceon or Lucaon served Zeus a meal of sacrificed boy and Zeus got mad and turned him and his sons into wolves. Yep. There's the Sage of Volsungs, which is a Nordic story and they turn into wolves for 10 days. So starting that like more periodical. Mm-hmm. It's just really endless. Like in 425 BC, Greek historian Herodotus described the Nuri people from Russia, uh, modern Russia, obviously, but they wore animal pelts. So he said they transformed into the wolves, but it was more likely that they just wore these to keep warm because Russia. There's Arcadia. In Arcadia, their Zeus was a wolf, could turn into a wolf. There's also Louison or El Lobizon from South America, which is the seventh son of a family of all boys, turns into a wolf at the full moon. And this is something that's so big in Argentina that the Argentine president to this day says he believes it. Incredible. In Guarani culture, which is the indigenous people of Paraguay, their wolf shapeshifter is also the god of death. And in Ireland, one of my most fascinating stories, I thought, was this wolf comes up to a priest and asks him for the viaticum, which is like the last Eucharist before you die, for his wife. He goes and meets this wife, and it's a wolf. And he's like, I can't give the body of God to a wolf. It's an animal. (laughs) So she just unpeels herself and is an old woman, takes the Eucharist, and then peels herself right back up. Good for her. (laughs) But the thing is, these were so prevalent 
because before modern times, wolves were vicious animals that actually did attack and kill many people. There was lower population in the world in general, and specifically, you would have to travel on these roads. You didn't have cars. You didn't have protection from the elements, and wolves killed off a huge number of people. So this was like one of our biggest threats. Yeah, I would say probably more even to individuals' lives directly. Mm -hmm. There's a huge threat to agricultural, Mm. like just in terms of, you know, if you're any kind of animal farmer, like if you have sheep or cattle or anything, wolves are going to be a fucking problem. Yeah, it's like we don't even have this equivalent today. So the werewolf was so scary and so ingrained in all of these different cultures because it was something that humans had to face and often died from or as a result through the line from the agriculture. There's also many serial killers in specifically the 16th century France. Yes. Weirdly claim they could turn into wolves. Yes, that was like a big thing. I did this huge project on La Lugaru last year, or maybe it was the year before, Mm -hmm. I don't know, and was like tracing back all of the really old French werewolf stories, and they're all like that. I think the oldest, one of the older ones I read was the Bluebeard story. Mm, That's not one I had written down specifically, but like in 1521, Pierre Bergot and Michael Verdun, Mm-hmm. swore to the devil and turned themselves into wolves and killed kids yep also giles garnier he used an ointment to turn himself into wolf he claimed he killed kids and he was burnt at the stake in 16th century france yeah nearby in 15th century germany peter Stube was executed after confessing to turning into wolf eating and killing kids and women So I weirdly know a little bit about why a serial killer would do this. Tell me. Serial killers, they don't want to die. They don't think they're going to get caught. When they do get caught, they Mm -hmm. tend to lie and make their stories as horrifying as possible to get as much attention as possible, Mm -hmm. to keep people talking, to keep people keep wanting to talk to them, to hold off their death. Mm -hmm. We saw this with Ted Bundy and his Mm -hmm. obsession with pornography. Everyone's looked at porn. It doesn't turn you into a serial killer, but it was specifically a red herring to get people to try and figure out why he became like Mm -hmm. he was. And I think that is a similar situation, just in case anyone's curious. I agree. And I think it's absolutely partially that, but also like some people might have been mentally ill. There's a lot that we don't know. And I think sometimes it was when you're being interrogated by a mob that's going to kill you. Some people did confess to what people had assumed. So it's kind of like a mix of things that ramp it up. And it's interesting how it's all around the same time period. And there was Peter the Wild Boy who was 1725 found naked on all fours in a German forest. So what do the British do? take him as an exhibit and bring him to England. Of course. But he had a syndrome that actually caused that. Like, we know what his was. And this is something that's even modern. So August 2008 to July 2009, there were 91 instances at the Calvary Mater Newcastle Hospital um, in Australia. And 23% of these were during full moons, which is a huge amount. And they were like biting each other and like scratching and causing all of this. So it's weirdly something that is still a legend and idea around today. Mm -hmm. Um, So how do you kill one? Well, instructables.com has a three-step process. Oh my gosh. Number one, know the origin and make sure it's a werewolf. 
Yeah, that's probably good to figure out before you try and kill a yeah. person. <laughs> number two, silver bullet, mercury or removing its head. Fair. And number three, make sure you protect yourself and like practice self-defense moves first. Mm. Learn kung fu in your apartment <laughs> before you kill the werewolf. Incredible. And there's some other ways, like other things suggest regular gun at a distance. If you're a skilled swordsman, you can chop off their heads. So train with that katana. You can also force them. Oh, you can also use nature. It, this article said force equals mass times acceleration. So string up a piano and drop it on them. Oh, good thinking. Tear its heart out, uh, which we talked about. Put salt in their wounds, which I'm curious about. Or my favorite one, just ignore them. Is it like ah. a Jurassic Park type scenario? <laughs> Yeah, just pretend this werewolf doesn't exist. Don't give them the energy they want, and they'll stop being a werewolf, apparently. I can relate. That's how you deal with me, too. Oh, my God. But I just love it. There's so much lore, and it it's so varied. That's why there's a huge overview, and you could go into specifics. But because this is something from, like, almost every single culture across the the world throughout time that there's no like correct answer and i love when supernatural does that and like makes it different like they do here like why not change up the lore of something that is so ingrained in humanity itself so some of the episode itself kind of goes a little downhill for me something mm -hmm. about this from here to the end of the episode feels very cw to me yes i don't know if it's the way the relationship plays out or if it's the music, the dad rock that they mm -hmm. have going throughout the end of the episode. Yeah, I do think that they play like one too many like lyric tracks. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. the one that they have while everyone is crying. I'm like, don't. It feels like that episode ends four times before it ends. Like it just feels yeah. very drawn out because we usually get those sad songs at the end of an episode and it ends sure. right there. And this also could have stopped after they stay the night with her after they had killed Glenn. Well, no, it couldn't have because she transforms again after that. No, I mean, like, if you cut it there, it would be a cohesive story. Like, I know narratively she transforms oh, again, I, I but I'm mean. saying, like, this has so many places where it feels like the episode could end right there, and it's a complete narrative. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's kind of like the episode itself. There's so many red herrings for the werewolf. Mm -hmm. The episode itself has so many red herrings for the ending. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, it does mess with the pacing a little bit, mm -hmm. yeah. but I don't mind it, personally. I have to say, like, the sex scene... It's the second one ever in the show, and it is so much better than the one in season one. Yeah. Holy crap. Was that such a bad sex scene? What was the first one. sex scene? I completely It was the forgetting. Dean and Cassie one in oh. Route 666 with, like, that horrible music, and yeah. it was just, like, I don't know. It was just not good. This sex scene is pretty good. Why is he biting her cheeks? I mean, they might be trying to do some kind of subversion of who's the wolf that's not what i was gonna say <laughs> even remotely but all right you know just because they're playing with ideas of uh masculine violence it, true but it's like during physical intimacy 
and mm-hmm. obviously not intended to harm, really. I got weird nostalgia for this sex scene because the music <laughs> playing over it reminded me of an American Pie movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jordan. It really it felt like an American Pie scene. I was like, what am I watching? Uh, I don't know. Like, this sex scene felt, like, very intimate and, like, not as gross as when how they sexualize women in a lot of this yeah, show. Yeah, well, I, I think they both felt like individuals acting equally in the scene. Yeah. And I think it was really dynamic in the sense that they both had personality that was being expressed. Mm-hmm. So here's one question I had for both of you. Do we see this as her kind of reclaiming like a sexual agency mm. or is it a repeating of old patterns because Sam was kind of violent towards her and even though he didn't really have a choice he put her in a vulnerable position and then mm-hmm. she ended up having sex with him to me it felt more like reclaiming but I could see the argument towards either side I think it can also be both true yeah. I think like she can be indulging in this same pattern but also feel empowered mm-hmm. by it also Sam's dick is cursed yes oh my, yeah as soon as they had sex I'm like she's gonna die <laughs> I knew immediately yeah and not even with a cursed dick meme or anything I just like I know the <laughs> show and I'm like Oof. just seems like that's what's gonna happen now mm-hmm. yeah. so I know in the show they try and like make you not think about it by literally having dean be like it doesn't matter but why didn't she turn the night before when they were watching her i have no fucking clue it felt like just another red herring and i guess i could justify it in like they literally know nothing about werewolves like no text do so they don't understand her being a werewolf like i'm glad they they stayed an extra night to be sure that seems like a very diligent thing to do right honestly you'd probably want to stay like another month to make sure like check up on this woman but they don't explain that all so it does feel very much like just we wanted to throw you again Right. It makes me wonder about her level of control over Mm. the transformation. Oh. Like, subconsciously. Or is it when she's put in these sexual situations where she is sexualized for better or for worse? Like, is it because she's feeling vulnerable that Mm -hmm. she transforms? Just like, is it because of feeling unable to suppress his urges that Glenn transforms? You know, there's just not a a whole lot of information to go off of there. I feel like every episode I'm like, Supernatural would be, this episode would be so good if they went into this and they never do. (laughs) Right, right. But I do have to admire the throwaway line of it doesn't matter anymore. Why not? Because she did turn Mm. again. It doesn't matter why she didn't the night before. True. Like just being like, that's not the point of this. Yeah. Yeah. The point is we have no fucking solution. (laughs) Right. I like after Glenn's death how idealistic and this big feeling of relief that the show kind of gave Mm -hmm. you into this like kind of strong intensity. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really well done even though it could be very hammy with the pacing and the music choices. Yeah. And this is where that conversation that we were talking about earlier happens, Mm -hmm. where Dean is like, well, part of her is just evil. And Sam is like, so you won't kill me, but you will kill her. Yeah. Part of me is just evil. That whole thing. I do like that moment, like I mentioned earlier, just a Mm -hmm. lot more nuanced than previous conversations about Sam's monstrosity in this episode. And I like relating your current situation 
to a situation you're in mm-hmm. more than making a situation about you. Yeah. 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 It's a little bit easier to digest. Um, There's a little bit more of a red herring that I really liked right at this end where Sam walks away. And I really thought he was going to let Dean do it every time I watch this. Um, but I like how that moment shows his inner struggle with this and him sure. kind of literally picking up the gun and having to be the one to take care of this. Right, right. Because he promised earlier in the episode mm-hmm. that he would do it. Yeah, but for a moment, it feels like he's not going to, like he can't. And so I love that they take their time with him coming to accepting what he has to do. Which to me makes a lot of sense for him because this is not just him accepting that he has to kill her, but it says a lot and implies a lot about like if he would let the same happen to him. I do think this scene where Sam is killing Madison is another moment of more nuanced paralleling. I think if they had brought up in any capacity, again, Dean's unwillingness to do anything violent to Sam, Mm. um, despite Sam's urging that Dean kill him, if he gets super evil, if they had brought that up again here, it would have been horrible. Mm. But the fact that they just kind of let you sit with the fact that they're all trying to digest the idea of killing someone you care about Mm -hmm. for the greater good Mm -hmm. really it worked for me yeah i'm just like why the hell can't they find somewhere to lock her up at night like put her in the roadhouse i'm sure they have some safe room send her with bobby We're going to have this crazy roadhouse full of our little this is our side characters this is going to turn into the show you where she's literally locked in a glass oh, box. Oh, like a glass um, yeah. humidifier room. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I was just like, they're not even going to try, but, you know, I get it. It's Well, uh, it's the fact that eventually, like, she has super strength. Mm-hmm. Wherever they try and keep her, she'll get out. And their only resource is a car, so. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, I get they, it. Where the fuck are they going to put her, you know? Yeah. And who besides them is even going to think to do something with her rather than just kill her immediately? Well, and she's also made it clear that she doesn't Mm -hmm. want to live like this. Right. I think a big point, too, is not just the question of can they turn her back, but also how many would have to die for her to figure this out? Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, maybe after a while she would Mm -hmm. gain some sort of control or, like, consciousness, Mm -hmm. self-awareness during her transformation. But, yeah, how long would that Mm -hmm. take? I will say she didn't... I guess we don't know if on her last transformation she killed someone. But, I mean, everyone she's killed, I've been kind of okay with. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, all right, kill that guy. Yeah, keep killing those cops. It's always like that in this show, I feel like. Whenever there's, like, a woman monster, they're just, like killing people that were like yeah obviously that person should die and then i'm like because like this episode's even written by a woman and i'm like what are you saying Mm -hmm. like about women that it's like not okay to like stick up for yourself and like protect i don't know I read it as kind of the result of living in this society and being attacked by a man is like, I get what that. are your options? But then it also like isn't great that way either. Right. I don't think the idea is that women shouldn't defend themselves. Mm-hmm. I think the idea is just that killing people is a step too far. Mm. I disagree with that. Yeah. Kill your rapist. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> 
but we'll help bury the bodies yeah ali apparently has a 10-step plan <laughs> that she's willing to broadcast over the entire internet so my fiance keeps telling me to take it back because he's concerned nope no sorry ben but in any event yeah i i don't know i i didn't think that it was trying to undercut you know women's agency or like say that women shouldn't protect themselves or anything like that i don't know i don't think it was trying to i think he implied it a little just in how this episode ended and that there weren't choices i think if we got other story arcs that were like very much from an accurate female perspective Mm -hmm. um it would feel a lot less like that i guess i also personally read a lot of agency in madison's choice to Mm, die at the end true um so i might just be sitting in a different perspective in general if she didn't choose to die i would totally have put this Mm. in the fridge category yeah Yeah. because she specifically died to push sam's Mm -hmm. plot along so right kind of because we've gotten the same plot point over and over again every episode but yeah i mean it it is obviously anything that happens in any episode is gonna have long-term implications for what they're doing because they're the Mm. main characters but i still get what you mean but yes i think it was vital that she had agency in the end especially Mm -hmm. since the whole episode was built around her discovering her own agency Mm -hmm. and to take that away at the end then would be I mean, it just wouldn't make sense narratively, first of all. But second of all, it'd be fucking shitty. So thanks, Miss Gamble. My last finishing thought before you have anything, Jasper, is I'm just very happy. I finally got, like, my big man cry. Oh, yeah. Definitely the most crying we've gotten so far. Yeah. Okay. I actually have things to say about the crying. So first of all, the actress, Emmanuel very good crier that was incredible Mm -hmm. crying when i rewatched this months ago i too cried when she started crying both times that she was crying i was was looking over to see if you were no i wasn't (laughs) i'm all cried out from watching inside for the first time (laughs) yesterday but yeah aside from the single man tear that dean had the like the sam crying was incredible Mm -hmm. and i read recently Well, I say recently, but I have no sense of time. So (laughs) it could have been five months ago for all I know. In any event, I read that in order to cry for this scene, Jared thought about recent pet death. So he was actually having a little bit of a a meltdown about a dead dog. Poor baby Sam and poor baby Jared. Right. But I also can't help but like... My mom was so insistent about the old yeller thing. <laughs> I loved it. And not only are they putting down a wolf person, but he was crying about <laughs> putting down a dog. And I'm just like, what it the all fuck? <laughs> yeah, like the planets just aligned mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. So are we ready to talk about the fan fiction? Yes, I am ready for the fanfic. This time I have one that is mostly just a recommendation from my bookmarks. It is Sam-centric, though, because, Mm. you know, it just feels incongruous to be Mm -hmm. like, big Sam episode, here's a Destiel fic. Like, what? Although we could have gone with an Omegaverse thing, maybe, but for me personally, that's kind of a squick. 
Anyway, this fic is called Bones Tied Up with Dental Floss. It was published earlier this year by AO3 user Iceberry. <laughs> it only has 400 hits, so y'all oh, wow. go show this one some love. It is rated T. Tags include Rowena McLeod and Sam Winchester. Background Sam Winchester slash Eileen Leahy relationship. Nonlinear narrative. Witch Sam. Character study. Sam Winchester centric. Also tagged for season 15, season 5, and season 13. The summary is, Rowena tells him about the first time an older witch sat her down in front of a hearth and taught her simple fire-starting spell in Latin. It found like she had found something that should have always been a part of her. She's a natural witch, she, she says. She says it with pride. Sam wonders what it's like to feel pride in being born different. There's, like, such a big emphasis in this episode about Sam being different mm-hmm. and relating to people who are also different. It felt appropriate. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It was kind of hard. I did look to see if there were some Sam Madison fix, mm-hmm. but there really aren't. It's Aww. kind of a rare pair. There weren't even 150. Really? Yeah. Wow. She's underrated. Extremely. Like, yeah. where's my fic where they figure out a way to save Madison mm-hmm. or, like, Sam bluffs about killing her and, True. like, actually just shot into the air or, like, passed her or And something. lets her live her, like, slaying anti-man life. Yeah. She may have been my favorite guest mm. star character, um, female guest star character since Sarah Blake, I think. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, she's definitely one of my favorite Sam girlfriends. Mm-hmm. She's just so, like, sure of herself, mm-hmm. I guess, is something I enjoy. I guess Sarah Blake was like that, too. Yeah, but Sarah Blake had kind of a different energy. She was a little more bubbly and peppy. Mm-hmm. and mm, True. Like, I think Sarah Blake has, like, a Triss from the witcher yeah. kind of energy that's a good way to put it so i guess it's time to rate the episode mm-hmm. yeah what did you think i really liked this episode it was fun i think we had a lot of fun watching it all together mm-hmm. i'm gonna give it a 4.5 mm-hmm. strangely colored martinis <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it successfully it gave us a good monster. I do like the agency of the female character. We don't get that a lot. Things I didn't particularly care for. I think it had some strange pacing towards the end, along with the music. I think that sums it up pretty well. What about you, Allie? I agree with the pacing, absolutely. But I think they finally got like a female narrative right. And I like a lot about what this implies. I was terribly sad she died, but I think also it does have like a bigger impact because of that. And the question is like, what else could they have done? So I will give this five out of five leopard print fur jackets that the sex worker was wearing. What about you, Jasper? I'm going to also give this one five out of Mm -hmm. five. Five out of five freaky werewolf talents. I think, like, despite some of the things that I don't like as much, Mm -hmm. like, way too many lyrical (laughs) tracks, especially towards the end. Mm -hmm. And, like, maybe a couple of times where dialogue is a little hammy, like you Mm -hmm. said. 
But for me, it's just so completely overshadowed by the overwhelmingly positive things about this episode. Mm. Yeah, there, like I said, there's hardly anything I don't <laughs> like about it. And I'm just so enthusiastic about the character of Madison and mm-hmm. what she does for herself and how her character story furthers the overall plot of this season. So I guess I should predict what happens next time. Yeah, what happens next? What are you going to, like, beg for every episode now that you finally got your fucking werewolf? Mm. What's next? Maybe hairier werewolves? Hairier (laughs) werewolves. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. I don't even know. I'm so lost. What was this episode? 17. 17. Wow. Uh, So we're getting close. Mm -hmm. Still don't know what happened with Ava. Are we even going to get her again? Who knows? She could just be out in the woods running around, (laughs) um, killing people with her weird psychic powers. (laughs) Whatever happened to the Roanoke people? Gosh. It was like right (laughs) out to the woods too. That was like fucking 10 episodes ago. What would I like to see happen? I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm going to say what I would like to see happen. I definitely would like to see... The special children, mm. like, good God, we haven't, like, even heard of them in so long. Haven't even thought about them. No. I guess they're not really that special. The, for- <laughs> the forgotten children. Yeah, the oh forgotten children. <laughs> Poor children. Now that we're getting close to the end of the season, we've gotten a lot of the stakes of Sam potentially being evil. I want to now see it start to develop mm. into the next stage. So we've had what if, what if Sam has, is, becomes evil has been the question. But now I want to see like things that make us question if Sam is actually going to become evil. Kind of like how in season one, he would be like low key sociopathic every (laughs) now and again. Yeah. Gosh, you remember when he moved a dresser with his mind (laughs) once? (laughs) And then never used it again? Like what, 30 episodes ago? Goodness. Hey, yeah, he hasn't even had a vision in many episodes. Oh, true. I forgot he had them. Huh. Why are they so worried about Sam? His superpowers ain't even doing anything. Dear goodness, boys, get it together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all I got for you. Well, we'll see. Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia Lendon for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Hollywood, California. Bye. Bye. Bye.